this week on the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. Two of the biggest trash-talking, big-mouth personalities in professional wrestling go head-to-head on Twitter, talking about Eric Bischoff and CM Punk. MJF, still talking trash about AEW and plotting his escape to the WWE in 2024. Jack Evans shoots on not having his contract renewed by AEW. And Tony Khan talks about his daddy, Papa Khan, and what he thought about the start of AEW. I'm your host, Seth Grimes, and this is the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. Another week of pro wrestling podcast, podcast goodness, breaking down all the clips of the week. I am your boy Seth Grimes, the host of this here shindig. A lot of podcasts to sift through this week. There was a lot of content out there, a lot of wrestlers out there doing the media rounds, doing the podcast interviews and the YouTubes and all that shit. It was a great week. Lots to pick from. I have narrowed it down to what I think is the most interesting and noteworthy news clips of the week. Starting with this one, of course, you've heard about it, I'm sure, by now. Well, two of wrestling's most outspoken, bullheaded, strong-willed, aggressive, shot-taking dickheaded people in professional wrestling, CM Punk and Eric Bischoff collided on Twitter this week, and it was fantastic. Of course, wrestling beefs and Twitter, it's been going on since the beginning of Twitter, right? Talking shit, and even before then, the shoot interviews, and wrestlers love to talk shit, and especially Eric Bischoff. Eric Bischoff has never shied away. That's his shtick. That's how he keeps his show relevant. Talking shit and talking shit he has been doing for weeks and months on top of months about AEW ever since Tony Khan compared his company to WCW or something to that effect. It fucking crawled up Eric Bischoff's ass and just rubbed him the wrong way ever since. And he's been taking his little shots. And it's not constructive criticism. Some of it is. It could be taken that way. But the fact that Eric keeps doing it and keeps pushing it and he does get abrasive with it and he does throw his attitude and his opinion into it. So he is taking shots. And this week was no different as on his podcast, 83 Weeks, Eric Bischoff had a lot to say about AEW and the way that they are not growing their audience and how he feels that they should be trying to appeal to a more mainstream audience. Check out this clip. I would say that AEW probably has an 80% lock on the dirt sheet wrestling, I can call it dirt sheet as a rib, but uh, on the internet wrestling audience, those people who are the most active in social media and on the internet 
are probably 75 or 80 percent of them are probably really really big um aew fans and that's the market in my my opinion it's not a criticism it's an observation in my opinion that is the market that aew is targeting and catering and reacting to but the idea that the way to grow this audience is to not cater to them is a little troublesome because to me if you're a hardcore football fan man i want more football i don't think it's a bad play i understand you're thinking that maybe it's too niche but i do think there's a difference between what Tony is presenting versus what Paul Heyman presented in the late eight at late nineties. But if you that hardcore and catering and reacting to, whereas WWE is catering to and, and building a more, a broader audience, not just that hardcore wrestling fan dream match, but, you know, but at the same time, Eric, spectacle they- kind of, kind of an audience. WWE ain't building shit. Their ratings are going down. Yeah, so Bischoff, never short on words, uh, especially on his podcast. And look, this man literally wrote the book on controversy creates cash, right? Literally wrote the book on it. So part of this is shtick. Uh, for Eric Bischoff, this is what he does. This is how he gets views and ratings and attention and stays relevant. And I'm not even knocking that. And and even if you know a lot of it is his true opinions as well, he's playing it up for the audience. You know, he knows he's stirring the pot on purpose. He knows that he's doing it. Uh, they're probably his real opinions, but he's playing it up, right? And uh, it gets him attention. It gets him Twitter attention. Um, but this time. It got him the attention of one CM Punk, who, as many of you know, is also never short of opinions and uh, abrasive opinions at that. CM Punk did respond uh, in kind of a blanket statement, uh, not directly to Eric Bischoff. He didn't at Eric Bischoff, but we knew what he was talking about. Punk says, Wrestling Twitter needs to stop amplifying all the old head, bad faith, bad take, carny dipshits. They had their moment in the sun. Let them die in the dark with their ego podcasts. Quote me. Wow. All right. I mean, strong words from punk. Uh, Booker T actually took exception to that on his podcast. Look, for people who don't know, again, Eric Bischoff has been critical recently about AEW, and he had a uh, podcast I would, with Conrad. I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call it critical. I wouldn't call it critical. Um, he's made comments. Um, he's had uh, oh, critiquing the show. He's had constructive criticisms. Okay, but I, but I wouldn't call it critical. You know what I mean? Okay. Or anything like that. That's fine, and that's fine. Um, but uh, for CM Punk to come back on him the way he did, and then not just to come back on him, he threw. He, that was a blanket statement. Yeah. And that wasn't just at Eric Bischoff. That was a blanket statement. And me personally, I'm about calling people out to their face. I'm about saying something. If, if somebody got something to say to me, say it in my face. Or say it directly to me. Direct that quote to me. And we'll talk about it when we see each other. Or I'm always down for a celebrity fight or anything <laughs> like that. No, I'm serious. I'm dead serious right now. Uh, he had to throw his two cents in. Booker T has also been 
one who has been critical of AEW, not as abrasively as Eric Bischoff has, and critical of Punk. He's famously the only person on planet Earth that had a bad thing to say about Punk's return. He was like, yeah, I wasn't really feeling it. He could have did better. It was almost as if he didn't watch it because he thought it was all about WWE. You know, he got the dirt sheet Cliff's notes on it or something like that. But, uh, you know, he threw in his two cents and he was willing to fight. He's willing to fight CM Punk. You know, he's like, we could take it to the streets. I can protect myself. I don't know about all that, uh, Booker. I think, you know, you're an old man. Just relax your crack a little bit. You're trying to fight CM Punk now about a beef between Eric Bischoff and and him. So slow your roll. But Twitter blows up. Shit gets crazy. Bischoff fired back, by the way. Bischoff had more to say. Of course, he's not going to bite his tongue. And he was direct. He didn't at Punk, but he mentioned him. Let's take a look at what this is. Let's look at what Punk has delivered since debuting at AEW. August Rampage. 1.1 million viewers. Now, lucky to hit 500,000. Dynamite, 1.17 million. Now, lucky to break 900,000. Pretty lame for a guy who thinks he's a bigger deal than Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Randy Savage. Uh, Of course, that was uh, another statement that had rubbed Bischoff the wrong way on punk bischoff gets really offended easy so does punk so does a lot of people i probably do too you'd probably do too but bischoff you know he takes this shit personally you know he got mad at he's got a hair up his ass about tony khan because tony khan dared compare aew to wcw uh he's got a hair up his ass about cm punk because cm punk dared say that him and brian danielson and aew was a bigger deal than Kevin Nash and Scott Hall going to WCW, which, uh, you know, Bischoff's got a point there. Uh, in hindsight, it's not. It's really not. Uh, in fact, the numbers are down. So he's got a point there, as much as I hate to say it, because I do think Punk and Danielson were significantly huge, huge acquisitions for AEW. Uh, but Bischoff's got a point there. <clears throat> And, of course, the dumb fucks on Twitter also had to throw in their two cents. Uh, some chucklehead tweeted, uh, added Eric Bischoff with a picture of Punk's beat-up face and was ribbing on him for his UFC fights as well. So let's all just pile on CM Punk now, right? Because Bischoff's taking shots at him. So let's go in Bischoff's comments and inflate Bischoff's ego a little bit more by taking more shots at Punk. But Bischoff continued... He convinced himself since he could win scripted fights, he could win a real one. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, look, uh, this is the wrestling business, and people will talk shit. And now that we live in the world of social media and Twitter and podcasts and YouTube videos, uh, it's easy for everybody to throw in their two cents, much as I am now, and easy for everybody to take their shots. Fuck Eric Bischoff. See? See how easy that was? Uh, so, uh, you know, in full disclosure, I'm a huge, one of the hugest CM Punk marks. Um, so I'll throw that out there. But it's not lost on me that Bischoff's right. You know, the numbers don't lie. Ratings have not gone up since Punk has debuted in AEW. 
So is it that he's not the draw that they thought he was? Well, let's slow the roll a little bit because there's also, you know, AEW has consistently outdrawn other than like WWE's random stadium shows like a WrestleMania. And I think they got SummerSlam coming up in a stadium. They got one over in England. So they do their little stadium shows and shit. But just on the week to week, AEW is outselling tickets for their live events compared to WWE. So, uh, you know, and WWE's ratings have dropped too. So it's wrestling as an industry. It's not like WWE's ratings are going up. They're higher than AEW's. But it's not like WWE is this hot product or it's growing or it's even holding its fan base. Ratings for everything across the board on TV in general continue to go down. And that's why I've always said that this is somewhat much to do about nothing the ratings quote unquote eric bischoff that's one of his big things is he loves to bring up oh aew's ratings like it's fucking 1999 well check it out uh ratings aren't as big of a deal as they were i mean they are networks you know aren't, aren't going to keep a show around that's just not drawing um or you know not doesn't have enough viewers for to attract advertisers but there's YouTube and there's streaming and there's, uh, you know, there's pirate services where you can just download the shit and, and there's ways we live in it. There's YouTube, you know, like all the highlights, you know, like you can go catch all the important things that happened on Rampage uh, just by going to AEW's fucking Facebook page or their YouTube page and all those clips are right there. You know, all this significant information. So uh, people consume content differently and people just don't. Most people, they're, people cut the cords fucking 10 years ago at this point, you know, and it continues to happen every day. More and more people are not watching cable. And that's why both WWE and AEW are going to get significantly higher contracts when their TV deals come up. I know everybody's like, oh, the ratings are down, they're, you know, and they're getting bought out by Discovery. I did a whole video, by the way, on the Discovery Warner Media merger. I highly recommend you you watch that and and listen to that clip because I school you, I fucking educate you, and I'll tell you what, it's a different opinion than a lot of the other people out there are saying, and it's an educated opinion because I follow this shit, not just the wrestling, but I'm a huge fucking nerd in in media and just streaming media and like I'm into that shit. So when these companies merge and they're launching their streaming platforms, the shit gets my dick hard, right? I'm all about it. So I know a thing or two about it, and it's much to do about nothing. Both WWE and AEW are going to get big, fat, giant raises because TV is a dying thing. People just don't watch TV. They especially don't watch it live. Everything's on their own time now. But because they are sports-like in that a lot of people still want to watch live to see what happens live because anything could happen. And it's live, and it's a new episode every week, and it's relatively cheap to produce... They're going to continue to throw fucking money at this to keep eyeballs on their TV because it's not AEW that's dying. It's not WWE that's dying. It's TV that's dying. And that's reflected in the, in the, in the ways that these guys are getting uh, record ticket sales and sellouts and that kind of thing. It's a hot product. It's just not 
it's just not hot on TV. And, you know, I don't know what else can be done about that. But uh, just kind of wrap this shit up here. Punk, Bischoff, always fun to see what either one of these guys have to say because they're so outspoken. And uh, it will be fun to see if they continue to butt heads online. I'm sure by the time I am recording this, I may have already missed a a tweet or a reply or a rebuttal. But that's where we're at right now. And uh, it's fun to watch. It's wrestling, right? Beefs. That's That's what we're here for. We're here for the drama. The drama for your motherfucking mama. So originally I wasn't going to cover this topic because I just touched on it a few weeks ago, a month or so ago, about MJF just out there talking shit. Well, I mean, he's always out there talking shit, but specifically about AEW and about the big 2024 contract negotiations and the bidding war and how he... Might be leaning towards going to WWE, his buddy Bruce Pritchard, all that. So this is something he's been saying. This isn't breaking news, so I was going to skip past it. But MJF was on the uh, Rasslin' podcast. That's R-A-S-S-L-I-N. That's Rasslin' with Brandon Walker. And he brought it up again. And like I said, I heard it. It's like, ah, you know, we'll skip past this one. I just covered this story not that long ago. But it seems to be making lots of news. And uh, everybody's talking about it, so fuck it. Let's throw in my two cents. Check out this clip first. Can't wait to leave Long Island. Get back to Jersey. I can't wait to leave this company. How about that? Oh, do you mean, do you mean? Oh, no. Oh, no. Hope that doesn't ruffle any feathers in the office. Oh, oh no. So you are talking about AEW. I thought you meant this present company. You right said here. AEW. I didn't say AEW. Oh no, I you said You this, just said AEW. You said this company. Maybe. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I'm in a or? shit mood. Maybe I hate my boss. Maybe I fucking love my boss. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff going on in this company that is inaccurate. I think that all these fucking ex WWE guys that are making an absurd amount of money, um, when quite frankly they can't sniff my fucking jock when it comes to the ratings I pull in whenever I'm on screen. Um, I think they can all go to hell. And I think that um, somebody in the upper management has a problem with me, and it's very obvious if you see what I'm dealing with week to week. Now, if slash when I were to go over there, Mm -hmm. I'd have me a ball, right? Because I built my brand and established myself here. Mm -hmm. So when I go over there, I'm not gonna have to deal with the same type of bullshit that poor Sean Spears had to deal with. So I was very much under the impression for a long time that majority of this kind of rhetoric from MJF is just stick. It's just him playing the character, you know? I'm a douchebag, I'm an asshole, I'm a highest bidder, I don't care about my company. But all the dirt sheets, unless he's working the dirt sheets and stuff too, they're reporting that this is true, that he's legitimately frustrated. Uh, both uh, Sean Ross Sapp has said... Uh, he's reported that MJF is uh, vocally frustrated with his current contract. He thinks he's worth more money, deserves another bump. Uh, Keep in mind that MJF is already on his second contract with AEW. He is not on the contract that he was on when he walked through the door, and he didn't even play that contract out. It was renewed for him because he is such a talent and because he was working so hard and because he was proving himself, Tony Khan gave him a bump, a significant bump. 
So he's already gotten a pay raise. And I get, you know, I got a, I got a buddy who's a indie wrestler, and, you know, he's told me that it's very common for uh, wrestlers to renegotiate or want to renegotiate during a current contract if they're earning it. Um, but at the same time, uh, wrestlers also, you know, they get the fattest paychecks on the back end of their career. They start out, you know, uh, let's use the MCU movies, for example. Iron Man, right? Uh, Robert Downey Jr. He did the first Iron Man movie for, like, pennies. I think he did it for, like, I don't know the exact number. It was under a million for sure, though. It was, like, $100,000 maybe. Like, he really did the movie for dirt cheap. Um, But what he was able to do, because that movie was such a hit... And I don't know if it was part of the contract to begin with or if he just, you know, was able to re-sign a new contract. But he got to the point where after Infinity War and Endgame, he was making $10 million a movie. So uh, $20 million I think he actually made for one of them. Maybe that included, like, royalties and stuff. But you get the point. MJF is already on his second contract in AEW. He was already bumped up from his initial contract that he signed. That he walked in the door from MLW and said, I will work for you for this amount of money for this amount of years. And Tony Khan already went to him and said, you know what, let's rip that up. You're doing great. I value you here. Let's rip up that old contract and let's get you some more money. But MJF's not happy with that. And I do think part of it is shtick still. Right? The MJF character would be unhappy with his money. The MJF character would think he's worth more. The MJF character would be vocal about this and would talk shit. But the thing is, is that the dirt sheets are backing it up behind the scenes. So unless he's working everybody, which is a possibility, there's some legitimate frustration going on here. Um, I think kind of just completing my thought with the Tony Stark, uh, Robert Downey Jr. thing... I think MJF should, uh, you know, be appreciative that he got a new bump in his contract that he initially signed, and <clears throat> just ride it out. And then when you sign, when your deal's up, then you can get more money. And then after that, you can get more money again and more money again. And by the time you end your career, I mean, Punk and Jericho are making Punk and Jericho money because they're Punk and Jericho. Right? They've been in the business for 15, 20, 30 years for, on Jericho's side. And they're proven commodities. MJF is a proven commodity, but he's not an icon yet. He's not legendary yet. He's not a veteran yet. He doesn't need Punk and Jericho money because he's not, he's not there yet. Now, uh, WWE is going to offer him a fuck, fuck of a huge contract. And he's friends with Cody. He's got the in there. Uh, he's friends with Bruce Pritchard. He's got the in there. Uh, Meltzer backs this up, by the way. When I say the dirt sheets, I only mentioned Sean Ross Sapp. Meltzer is also backing this up, that uh, there's some legitimate contract concern there. And that uh, I think Sean Ross Sapp had also reported that uh, relations between MJF and Tony Khan are kind of uh, hit and miss. You know, that they are not as tight as they used to be. We have heard reports that MJF and Tony Khan were having heated uh, verbal uh, verbal battles, if you will, verbal jousts, 
verbal disagreements, arguments, if you will, backstage in the office. So who knows what really happens behind the scenes. And look, wrestling business is a business of egos and personalities and me, 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 okay? It's not a team effort. MJF doesn't give a fuck about AEW. I'm sure he does because that means that he's, you know, the better AEW does, the better he can do while he's there. But at the end of the day, MJF's worried about MJF. And as he should be. That's how professional wrestling works. Wrestlers are independent contractors, and they should always seek the best deal that they can get. I'm still apprehensive about what an MJF in WWE could be like. Just listening to this interview with Brandon Walker, uh, MJF saying things like, you know, I was banging rats all night, uh, shoot me in the face, uh, you know, uh, he's... The way he words things, he's not PG. And and uh, also that could be part of the shtick. I'm sure that's MJF. I'm sure that's, you know, kind of ingrained into who he is. I'm sure he's kind of an abrasive shit talker to begin with. But he's not going to be able to get away with cutting those kind of promos, doing those kind of interviews, being that kind of personality in WWE. He's going to have to be a significantly watered-down, toned-down, milk-toast version of himself. A lot of the things that make MJF great and get MJF over is his trash-talking, his attitude, his abrasiveness, his willingness to go there, to call chicks skanks in the crowd, and to to talk about Brian Pillman's junkie mother and stuff. Like, that's just stuff he's not... Unless WWE goes back to an Attitude Era style of production, MJF is never going to be able to be that MJF in WWE. Now, do I think Max has the talent to go to WWE and play by their rules and tone it down? Absolutely. He's a smart guy. He's a talented guy. He's hip to the business. I think he'd go there and knock it out of the park. All I'm saying is that it's not going to be the MJF we know and love now, and that's going to significantly take out some of the things that we like about MJF. Because let's face it, things like this interview where he's, you know, just huffing and puffing about even having to be there, and oh my God, shoot me in the face. He's not going to be able to do that shit in WWE. But these are the kind of things that we love about MJF. These, This is why Brandon Walker's interviews with MJF, I don't know how this one will end up doing or where it's at right now. I don't really look at the numbers on these things. But they did mention in the podcast that both of his previous interviews with MJF are his top two interviews on his entire channel. And he's got interviews with Tony Khan. He's got interviews with CM Punk. He's got interviews with lots of top talent. Uh, from both companies, you know, he interviews the women a lot from WWE. He gets a lot of good wrestling interviews, but MJF is at the top of the list because he's entertaining to watch. His interviews are funny. They're abrasive. They're full MJF in all of his glory. And look, guys, if you love the way that MJF presents himself now, soak it up. Take it in. Enjoy it while it lasts. Because uh, interviews like this one 
we're just we're not gonna get those again. We're gonna get a significantly toned down version if he decides in 2024 that he wants to go re-sign with WWE and just kind of put a bow. Right? Did I say re-sign? Just go sign an initial contract with WWE. Um, but to put a bow on this here thing. Uh, you know, I think he'll do great in WWE if he goes there. I think he'll make a shit ton of money, and I think he'll, he will uh, excel there. And I think they'll use him well because he's a, an exceptional talent, and you don't bury talent like that. Um, but also, you know what? If I'm Tony Khan, I make a giant play. I don't know that I can justify punk money or Jericho money. I think that's inevitably where Cody Rhodes and Tony Khan didn't see eye to eye is because Tony Khan... Uh, as much as he has the money to throw around, not every wrestler on the roster is worth that amount of money. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and listen to any kind of debate, oh, MJF's better than Punk, Punk's washed up, or Jericho's chubby, and it, it, none of that matters. They're stars, they're legends, they're icons, they're draws, they are established talents. MJF is on the rise. He's not there yet. He's not going to get Punk money, but he might in WWE. And that's the thing. So we shall see. But if I'm Tony Khan, I make a very significant and hefty investment in MJF. And, uh, you know, a, a promise is not, uh, you know, promises are like, uh, you know, who cares, right? You can promise me all you want, but what's on the actual paper? But I would also uh, promise him that if he sticks around that that investment is going to get larger and he will find his way up to punk money because he's that kind of talent. <clears throat> MJF will be, when it's all said and done, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, MJF's going to be a legend. He's going to be an iconic professional wrestler. He's going to have earned every penny of his multi, multi-million dollar contracts he'll be getting at that time. But he's not there yet. As good as he is. I hate juggalos. I fucking hate them. I say all this with a grain of salt because for a good part of my own life, I proudly identified as a juggalo. You should come to the gathering with me. Nah, man. I'm, I'm not into all that whoop whoop shit anymore. I'll pay for your ticket. I got fired today. Get the fuck out! Still got room for me? Spike, slow the fuck down! Cops! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! The savages started closing in with their tiki torches and war paint. Shit! Run! You guys got a dead body here already? Even the aliens were throwing shade. It was pure panic and intense horror. There was a guy I saw got chopped in half. I had nothing left to go back to. You alive? Yep. The Gathering. A bold journey into the belly of the Juggalo underworld. My man CVV, Chris Van Vliet, had a really solid interview this week with Jack Evans. Jack Evans, of course, half of the tag team TH2, the Hybrid 2, with Angelico in AEW. Well, that tag team is no more, as Jack Evans has been released from AEW. Uh, not released in the WWE sense, just his contract wasn't renewed, his contract's up, and they, uh, AEW kindly decided to not re-sign. Now, they did re-sign Angelico, which is uh, odd, 
Um, but I think if you listen to this full interview, you're going to kind of get a better picture of it. Take a listen to this clip here from Jack Evans. kind of explains the situation a little bit better on why he ended up on the outs, but Angelico ended up staying. So me and Angelico were both stuck south of Mexico, got closed for the, the COVID restrictions. And we had this four-month layoff. And then I came back, had one match, and then in practice, before match, I actually got my face broken again. And then I had another month and a half or two-month layoff. And I feel like after that, I never, like, came back, like, to full, full. Like, I really feel like I deteriorated. Like, I, I, I there's some, I, I can't even blame it on ring rust. I don't know what happened. But I just, I feel like after that, I never came back. We never had the same momentum. But, but it wasn't one of those things where, like, I felt like I was wrestling good and the momentum just didn't get started. Like, I felt like I was really, I had deteriorated in the ring. And on the, like, it sounds weird, but it started giving me like these self-confidence problems. Then also, and this is what happened to me all, is that salary contract, I feel like made me a bit soft. Cause like there was even a little while where like, I got a bit like plump, like, I don't know what the nice way to put it or whatever. And like, so I just kind of fell off after that layoff. And I feel like I only really started getting back on the ball, like towards the end. And by then I think the company had kind of already made up its mind on me or whatever because I thought this was a really great interview not just because Chris Van Vliet always does great interviews just props to Chris if you're not up on Chris Van Vliet this is kind of why I do this show sometimes is to uh, spread some of these great podcasts around I know not everybody has time in their day to listen to a bajillion podcast I hope I help with that and kind of point you in the direction of good ones to listen to uh, not just good episodes and good interviews from time to time, but just the solid consistency of some of these interviewers. Chris Van Vliet is a top tier, top, top, top wrestling interviewer. So if you ever are out on the uh, YouTubes searching around for pro wrestling interviews to watch, you will never go wrong clicking on a Chris Van Vliet podcast. And this one... No different. Jack Evans, like I said, not just because Van Vliet's a good interviewer, but Jack was humble, open, honest, uh, realistic, vulnerable. He was a really good conversationalist, you know. He was he seemed like he he was fun to talk to. You know, they had a lot of other conversations in the podcast that I highly recommend you just go back and listen to the whole thing. Talking about Evans talking about living in Mexico and being sh- uh, shaken down by the cops and harassed and you know that that kind of stuff. But just his sense of self-awareness over the whole being cut from AEW or not renewed from AEW you know, putting it on himself, just saying like, look, I got, there was lots of things, you know, after my injury, I got, I wasn't the same. Uh, I got lazy with a big full-time regular contract that kind of, you know, I got chubby. I couldn't move around in the ring like I used to. I got blown up quicker. I didn't try as hard. Uh, you know, he put it all on himself. He literally had not one bad word to say about AEW or Tony Khan or about them not renewing him, but renewing Angelico. 
And that's, and Jack Evans even said, and that's kind of, he's like, when you look around and you're part of a tag team and every meeting you're in and every skit that you do and every segment that you're on and everything you've done in that entire company since day one has been with your partner, Angelico. And then all of a sudden, Angelico gets re-signed and you do not. The problem is not Tony Khan and AEW. The problem might be you. And it was. Uh, you know, I'm, I was surprised that Angelico got re-signed. Just because, I mean, he is a great talent. Like, if you watch the guy in the ring, he's smooth as butter, he's clean. He's got that weird, uh, almost like an Alex Wright-ness to him where he's he's got this weird charisma where he, he's got these, like, weird little dance. He's, like, his own in his own space. You know, he's I, I, it's, it's hard to describe, but if you just watch the man, he's living in a whole different world than everybody else, it seems like. You know what I mean? In a fun way. He's like a raver. Um, but to me, he's not, I mean, he's not a draw. I, I, especially with all the big signings and probably more big signings to come that seem to be almost every week at this point. Uh, it's time to start letting some of those older contracts go. Um, there's something to be said for loyalty to, you know, guys that got you to the dance. You know, you also don't, you know, you, when you start your company with a bunch of like, I mean, it really was like the best of the indies, but it was indies, you know, it was the indie guys and you work with what you got and they were able to, you know, quickly get to a point where they were signing lots of former WWE talent and big stars and that sort of thing. Um, so you don't necessarily just go back and then get rid of all of your indie talent that got you to the dance. So something's to be said for, Hey, you worked hard while you were here. I'll give you another contract. But at the same time, I, I mean, Angelico would have been one I, I just would have let TH2 go to c- completely. They're fairly useless on the show. Uh, they don't really contribute anything to it. Uh, sometimes it's not just about your in-ring talent. It's what are you bringing to the table. And I, I just don't know that there's anything that Angelico provides to the show that they can't get from somebody else. So that was a surprise. But, hey, you know, I'm not going to knock people for having jobs either or getting paid. So good on him. But you know, Jack Evans didn't go down the road that we seen like a like a like a big swall do. By the way, big swall, who the fuck are you to go out there and even have an opinion to begin with? You know what I mean? Everybody's gonna talk shit and stuff. Why don't you be grateful? Because people like Swall and Marco Stunt and fucking Jack Evans are lucky to have jobs on TV with a major company. Uh, it's not to say that they're not talented and they haven't worked hard and yada, 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 yada. But there's only so many spots. There's only so much money to go around. And this is national television. I hate to be a Jim Cornette here, but guys like a Marco Stunt, for example. I mean, yeah, look at the guy. He should have never been on TV to begin with, let alone, uh, you know, like, oh, re-sign him? No, absolutely not. Uh, he was a good fit as, like, a mascot, I guess, for Jurassic Express, but... He just, and maybe like a new day, uh, not new day, but like a new day, uh, um, Spike Dudley in a way, you know, like the little runt of the litter that gets, takes all the big bumps and gets the heat, you know, allows the heels to get heat on, on Jurassic Express or whatever, but kick him to the curb. Don't need him. Jack Evans though, like, I'm, I, I really don't care about Jack Evans as a, you know, like, I don't say that to be mean or heartless or anything like that. It, I, it's not ill intention. It's just he's not. He doesn't do anything for me as a performer. Is what I'm getting at. He's not. Uh, 
he's not a draw for me. Oh, I'm excited to see this Jack Evans match. No. Um, never has been the case. Never will be the case. But he seems like a good dude. Like, I, I, I guess I didn't know enough about him. And this was a fun little interview, like I said, not just for the release from AEW, but also just, you know, the other stories that he had to tell and, and how humble he was and honest and open he was. And you don't get a lot of that in a business of egos. What you end up getting is a whole lot of shit talking and a whole lot of, I'm the biggest star and Tony Khan held me down and Tony Khan this and Tony Khan that and AEW this and AEW that. Blah, 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 blah. Everybody's got something bad to say when they're not getting that paycheck anymore. And everybody's got something good to say when they are getting their paycheck. Except for MJF, of course, as we discussed earlier. But go listen to the interview. That's about all I got to say about it. Jack Evans, you know, uh, open, honest, humble, and and puts the blame on himself. And a great conversationalist and a fun interview. So CVV knocks it out of the park as per usual. And on to the next. The boss man, AEW CEO and owner Tony Khan, was on the Swerve City podcast. And that is the Swerve. Swerve Strickland, of course, has his own podcast. And he had the boss man on his show, Tony Khan, which was a good get for his podcast. Tony Khan was talking about Papa Khan on the Swerve City podcast. And what Papa Khan thought about Tony Khan starting his entire a whole wrestling company with a bajillion dollars. Check out this clip. I, I happen to be like somebody who loved the wrestling business, but it worked in sports and obviously came from like a, a you know, I was very fortunate. My dad came over from Pakistan and when uh, uh, when he was 16 to go to college at the University of Illinois and he started a business and it really took off, but he kind of came here with nothing and he, and he is the big success and he's the reason this all happened. He's said it. I mean, we had a really ugly Christmas 2018 because uh, I, I had already frankly told like Jericho and other people, like, we're going to do this. And like, uh, and a bunch of people, and I had pretty much a bunch of people verbally ready to go. And a bunch of contracts were set to expire at the start of 2019. I was going to, I had a business plan and everything ready to go, which is AEW now. Yeah. And he was like, this isn't going to work. We're going to lose millions. Like you have no guarantee. I didn't have a TV deal at that point for it. And it was a huge gamble. And he's gone into like Forbes and, and a couple times on the record and said, like, he was completely wrong. So Papa Khan actually did not believe in AEW. He told Tony that this was going to lose money, that it was not a good investment. But Tony kept pushing it and pushing it to the point where Shad said, you know what, I'm going to die someday, and when I do, I'm going to leave a bajillion dollars to you and your sister and whoever else is in the family. So you might as well dip into it now. It's your money anyway, so here, you know, go play in your sandbox with your fucking, with your, with, with your AEW toys, okay? So Tony Khan took Daddy Papa Khan's money, and he, and he bought a real-life fig fed, right? You know, Matt Cardona always talks about the fig fed, and, you know, you, 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 you fantasy book with him, and you book your champions, and here's Tony Khan writing in his notebook since he was a little kid, uh, booking out Dynamite and Rampage, right? <clears throat> you know, booking booking his angles and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, Papa Khan buys him a real promotion to play with, and uh, it's worked out. Papa Khan had to eat his words, did he not? 
by all measures, AEW is fairly successful. You could look at what Eric Bischoff had to say, and you could be like, well, the ratings, blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, they got a big video game coming out. They have broken through to the mainstream to a certain extent. They have large stars. They're selling out buildings. AEW is not failing or flopping, you know. They might not be growing as fast as you would have expected or would you, you would like them to do. But you can't point at them and go, that's a failing business. That's, you know. Tony Khan has already said that, and, you know, he could be all bullshit because the company is not public, so we don't know the numbers. Um, but he said that the company would already be making money with their TV deal and their licenses and merch and all that other shit. They would already be making money if it weren't for a significant investment put into the video game, which is really just an investment back into your company. You know, that's not a loss when you're building in a whole nother money-making branch of your a video game is a significant thing it's not like selling a t-shirt right it's not just a piece of merch out there you know we got replica belts and t-shirts and video games no a video game is a, is a whole new it's a it's a whole type of media it's like producing another show in a way. It's different. It's not a show. It's a video game. But you get what I'm saying. This isn't like just putting a piece of merch out there or another product on the market. It's significantly costly to do right, to do proper, to get all the, you know, to get the right developers on board and to get, you know, the everything that goes in. I don't know. I'm not a fucking game developer. You know, ask Aubrey Edwards. But there's a lot that goes into it, I would imagine. So had it not been for a significant investment that I think will pay out, that video game is going to make them a butt ton of money, dude. A butt ton. Had it not been for that, they'd already be making money. So as long as, you know, Tony Khan's got a set budget. He He's rich, so he has money to play with if he wants to anyway. But... He knows what he's making from the networks, and, and you know his his live gates are going to cover a significant portion of his production costs, and then his TV contracts are going to cover the rest of his production costs, and and then you know the merch that he's selling while he's at the venues and merch online, like he's got enough revenue as long as his his output, you know, he's got enough to cover. Uh, his live events basically just from the tickets that you're selling the merch that you're selling you know you're gonna almost almost break even if not make a little little pinch of money on the gate over over uh, just your production cost of setting up the building you know and the trucks and the lights and all that shit then you know uh it, it's just a matter of the talent that you sign not exceeding your TV, you know, you got, all you get, it's simple math. You know, I make this much, I can spend this much. And if Tony's not worried about becoming rich, this isn't a get-rich-quick scheme for him. This is fun for him. This is his hobby. This is his fig fed, okay? So Tony's not dumb enough to let this thing lose money, um, but he will invest back into it, most likely, and he will... Uh, probably go really close up to that line, you know. I would venture to say if Tony Khan makes a thousand dollars per year, plus is able to pay his, you know, himself a salary and everybody else paid and everything, you know, if the company's profiting net profit one thousand dollars per year, it'll probably be worth it to him. You know, that's why he's able to sign everybody and their mom. He's got to be careful with that, not just for the money side, but just for the fact that. 
clearly he's already not able to use all the talent that he has. So uh, I know he is working on acquiring a TV deal for Ring of Honor. Uh, I don't know that that's the right call necessarily. We'll see how it all plays out. But he's got the money to play with. And by all, all accounts, AEW is successful and uh, not as su- successful as they could be or want to be, I'm sure. But they're doing fine. And, and Papa Khan has got to be proud of his son and that his investment has paid off and that uh, he wasn't just pissing money down the drain. But even if he does, hey, my son's happy playing with his... You know, it's like, you know, I buy my kid action figures to play with. He's not into wrestling, so I'll buy him, like, Thanos and Spider-Man and, you know, Captain America, and he'll play with those toys instead. But, uh, you know, uh, if I was a bajillionaire, I'd buy him actors in, in movies, and, you know, he can play with Marvel characters in a Marvel movie or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, anyway. So I haven't done in the past, and I don't know that I will plan to make a habit of doing vintage clips. Uh, This is uh, very much a current events clip show, but uh, this one I couldn't resist. I was just out just for fun watching an old Weakest Link episode, the one with all the uh, wrestlers on it from the Attitude Era. I don't know if you have seen this. It is on YouTube, the entire video. Um, and this was not significant. I watch wrestling shit all the time, right? We all do. But uh, I was not planning on using it for anything show-related until this clip popped up. And once this happened and I heard this, I was just like, okay, I got. I, I want to talk about this with my audience. So uh, check out this clip, and then I'll catch you on the flip side. Pain. What end is a drug injected by a dentist to numb the mouth? What, what? What N is a drug injected by dentists to numb the mouth? I don't know. Novocaine, Bubba. How did Kane blow a fucking question about Novocaine? He was a fucking dentist. His gimmick was a dentist. He was Dr. Isaac Yankum. Or Isaac Yankum DDS. I'm conflating with Dr. Britt Baker DDM. DD. DMD. It doesn't. I don't fucking know. It doesn't matter. Kane missing a question about dentistry just made me chuckle. I thought it was a fun little clip. Very interesting. The whole show was fun to watch. It's interesting to see uh, these personalities. Terry, by the way, kept burying Kane, saying that he smelled. Uh, Kane was the only one wearing his wrestling gear out there, which I thought was fun. I always like to see when wrestlers wear their uh, their ring gear out in public. One of the uh, there's an indie wrestler by the name of Gregory Iron that he he's got a lot of uh, photos that he posts of himself. He'll just be like sitting on a swing set on a playground somewhere, wearing his fucking his underwear trunks and his knee pads and his boots. <laughs> it's funny. I like that shit when you just you're you're just out in public wearing your ring, your ring gear. So Kane was out there in full garb with his mask and and all of that shit. Everybody else was dressed in street clothes. And Terry kept saying Kane smelled and we've all heard these stories about, you know, wrestlers uh outfits and stuff and how they get sweaty and gross and Vader's gloves and all that shit. Uh so it's possible Kane actually did smell but Terry was being a cunt on there just for just doing that constantly to Kane. 
Bubba Dudley was on there. He was killing it. He was, I think, won the most rounds, answered the most questions. Stone Cold was on there. It was a really, really fun uh, episode to watch. And, of course, the host of that show, she's a big cunt, too. And it's fun watching her personality bump up against wrestlers' personalities. So she's this big, mean, wicked bitch-type personality. Uh, that's her gimmick. That's her shtick. So when that bumps up against like a Stone Cold Steve Austin, for example, when she looks at him and says, you're the weakest link, and that's the bottom line because I said so. Like, it's, it's fucking great. It's classic. So if you haven't seen it, uh, go seek it out on YouTube. It's a fun little watch, but uh, I had to share it with you just because... When I saw Kane miss a question about dentistry, I just facepalmed, shook my head, and I'm like, you know what? I could go on a tiny little rant about that. And so I have, and so we shall move on. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. Freddie Prince Jr., who was on the uh, tips of the tongues of everybody last week, because he had announced that he's going to be starting an indie promotion. I did cover that last week as well. Matter of fact, that was the top story. So if you'd like to go back and check out that segment, you can find it on YouTube. Just search out the Clippy Clippy. Um, but this week, Freddie Prince was talking about Dolph Ziggler. He did a big deep dive into the creation of the Dolph Ziggler character. He was there. Uh, not only just there backstage to watch the creative, but he was actually a significant, he was basically the writer for Dolph Ziggler at that time uh, in charge of getting the Dolph Ziggler character up and off the ground and up and running. And of course, just like you and me and all of us wrestling fans, when we first heard the name Dolph Ziggler, uh, you know, we uh, saw his talent in the Spirit Squad as a male cheerleader, and uh, it ruined everybody's career in the Spirit Squad, except for Dolph Ziggler. But uh, Dolph wasn't much better, and then he was a caddy, too, right? He was a caddy for Kerwin White, uh, Chavo Guerrero. Yeah, a lot of bad gimmicks to come back from, um, but hey... Hey, he made something of it, but uh, found this very interesting. Check out this clip of Freddie Prince Jr. talking about the creation of Dolph Ziggler, the name, and the uh, the introductory promo segment. Check this out. They talk about the debut of this new character, and they want to give him a name. They haven't even come up with the name yet. There's been no discussion. It's the night he's going to debut, and they're just throwing any old name out. Any old, whatever they put on their, their list in those moments are the names they're thrown out. So no thought, zero, zero thought has been put into this. So Brian, who I love, he throws out the name. I, I think he almost wanted to start with Dolph Diggler, like Dirk Diggler. And it was Dolph Diggler. And my head almost hit the table the way he would snap a pencil in frustration whenever Vince would make him rewrite a show the day of a show. Cause that's always a good idea to do that. That was my feeling. I, I finally experienced the pain that Brian was experiencing only it was now because of him. And sometimes the company would do this. They would rib themselves without even knowing they're 
ribbing themselves. And it was always something to me that, that made them struggle with credibility at times because it was, I'm sitting there and I'm hearing this name, Dolph Diggler. And I, I remember saying this, I said, who's going to take that seriously? Who's going to take that seriously? And it wasn't, he wasn't going to be a comedic style wrestler. He was a serious athlete who could friggin' move. And, and he was going to be billed as a, as a heel. So I'm confused. I say, yo, we can't do that. And I straight up say, we're basically rip, ripping off Boogie Nights with Dirk Diggler, which was a movie Vince had never seen. And uh, so he didn't even acknowledge that. But they go, okay, we, we won't do that. And so I don't know if it was Brian. I don't know if it was Vince. I don't know who the final say was. You'll have to accost them digitally to find out. But someone says, well, what about Dolph Ziggler? And again, I'm like, that, no, that name sucks. You can't, you cannot do that. This name sucks. What are your ideas? I don't know. I'm probably throwing anything out there. John friggin' Wayne. I mean, anything. Just don't, Sean Wayne. How about Sean Wayne? If you're going to do Dolph Diggler. So it was not a long argument. I lost quickly. I guess my punishment for fighting the good fight was I was assigned the segment to direct. The, the or produce they call it the first time we're ever going to meet this w- wonderfully named wrestler superstar Dolph Ziggler it was the worst fucking name Dolph Ziggler he said it, it was like what do you this a, first of all it's a play on Dur- Dirk Diggler and then it, it's just it's instant death and uh you know he makes a point he talks about later in the podcast he says you know it kind of became after a while, like, the name Dolph Ziggler doesn't bother you anymore. It's, he's just Dolph. And we've kind of seen that in wrestling over the years, haven't we? Like, <clears throat> even, like, Butch is starting to grow on me a little bit now. You know, like, I hated it. I did a, a segment here on the show. I did an epic rant on Butch. How you fucking ruling. You're, you're ruining fucking Pete Dunne. Uh, you're, you're wrecking his character, but I'll tell you, you know, like, like I said, it's Vince's playpen and he, it's his fig fed. You know, we talked about, uh, Tony Khan's fig fed. Well, this is Vince's fig fed and in his fig fed, uh, he's got Dolph Ziggler's and, and it's a, it's a horrible name, but he made it work. He made the, you know, and it was funny too, cause <clears throat> Prince talked about, the uh, the gimmick where he walked up and inter- introduced himself to everybody backstage. I remember this so fondly. I I didn't remember it until he brought it up. But I was like, oh yeah. And 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 I just thought Dolph was just the stupidest shit back in the day. But look, uh, he's not over with me. I'm not gonna put him over that hard. I'm not saying I'm a Dolph Ziggler fan or I love him. I think he's an immense talent. I feel like what he's done with the name, the gimmick, the character, what he was able to turn it into and where he sits right now, uh, he's a veteran. He's a decorated veteran. He's not a headlining uh, Hall of Famer, but he could certainly be a opening act, if you will, a preliminary Hall of Famer uh, 10, 20 years down the road. Um, look, the standard's not that high. Dolph Ziggler is an am- amazing talent physically in the ring. Uh, you know, he's always the guy that new guys will work with to for, for Dolph to kind of see what they got, to test them, to push them, to 
teach them, uh, to get them up to speed. He, that's why he's in NXT and, and and did that NXT run with the belt and everything. Working with Braun, you know, pair Braun up with Dolph. It's a no-brainer. It's good for Braun to get that rub from a guy like Dolph Ziggler. I don't think Dolph, and Dolph's got incredible charisma, personality. I, to, for me, it just never got over to me. I respect and appreciate his immense talent. Uh, but it just, his character doesn't do much for me. It's just kind of meh. It always has been. Couldn't care less. Even when he won big gold the night after WrestleMania or whatever, and that was like his biggest, you know, that's when peak Dolph Ziggler, when he was at his highest of highs. Everybody, you know, I even heard people at that time was like, he could be the next Shawn Michaels. He's that good. Uh, and in ring, maybe, uh, you know, he's close, but he's not that big of a star and he just I don't think he'll ever reach that level but he's a great utility guy there's a reason why he's been signed with WWE for as long as he has and why they put him in the roles that he's in he delivers and everything he does and look not everybody can be Roman Reigns okay everybody can be the big dog on top of the mountain main eventing every Wrestlemania holding the belt up you know, when you're putting together a show, there's roles, you know, if there's roles for anything. Just like a TV show, there's your, everybody loves Raymond, and you, you're Ray, Raymond Ramon or Razor Ramon, right? And you're, you're in that episode, you're the star, Seinfeld, you're the star, it's your show, and your homies around you. But then there's the guy in the background that's like delivering the mail or fucking the pizza guy or the taxi driver. There's bit roles. And those are important because they help get the show over in a lot of ways. And Dolph is a bit role player in the WWE, but he's a great bit role player and he helps get a lot of talent over and does great work. And look, you know, <clears throat> we can sit and talk about, you know, his star power all we like. But the, the fact of the matter is that when the creative was pitched to Freddie Prince and everybody else that why don't we call him Dolph Ziggler and, and he shakes everybody's hand. Like, it's ridiculous on its face. It's the stupidest shit ever. But Dolph made it work. He made it work. And and the rest is history. And look where he's at. And, and Dolph Ziggler, as a name even, is one of those names. Just like, you know, uh, we hear a lot of weird names. I brought up Butch. There's Big Show was kind of weird. when that, But now he, he's just Show. He's just Big Show. You know what I mean? Like, after a while, it just kind of ingrains itself in your brain but that's all i got to say about that one uh if you want to hear the full story the full deep dive on dolph ziggler from spirit squad to world's champion from the man who wrote the story himself and was in there in the line of fire pitching the ideas and taking the heat listen to the uh freddie prince wrestling with freddie Freddie Prince Jr. podcast. That's it. Whew. Made it. Made it through another show all the way to the end. If you are still here and you're still hearing my voice, I appreciate you. Thank you for sticking around to the end. Love my endies, if you will. That's what I call them. I call them my little endies. People that stick with me to the end, like the diehards, I appreciate you. If you could, please allow me to plug some shit. For you, uh, to you, you can follow me, you can like me and subscribe to me, whatever you do, whatever the button says to do, on Twitter, at Seth Grimes Media, on YouTube, 
just search for Seth Grimes Media or the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. Either way, we'll pop right up or slash United Underworld Media. Also on Facebook at Seth Grimes Media and on TikTok at Seth Grimes Media. Uh, plugged the other podcast, Against the Grain. That's on YouTube. That's official, Against the Grain. Um, go find it. It's fun. It's a current events thing. It's completely different than this. We don't talk wrestling. We just talk, uh, you know, news, politics, current events, Will Smith bitch slapping people. All that stuff is is in there. Uh, it's fun stuff. Reaction videos. That's fun stuff too. Reacted to, you know, banned episodes of Ren and Stimpy. So I'm doing fun content. So if you like this content and you want to venture outside of the wrestling, there's other stuff to check out, including a book. I wrote a book. It's called The Gathering, A Bold Journey into the Belly of the Juggalo Underworld uh, about a dude that goes to a Juggalo music festival. It is a novel. It is quite fun. It's drug-induced debauchery at its finest. Then I also have pro wrestling-inspired NFTs. That's why we're all here anyway, right? This is a pro wrestling show. Uh, I have pro wrestling inspired NFTs. Most people laugh at NFTs still. I get it. You don't, you just don't know. But NFTs are a thing that are here to stay uh, in some way, shape, or another. Um, and I have the wrestling ones. So uh, right now I have Wrestle Pals out, which uh, are like Funko Pop slash action figures. But we have uh, announced that we are dropping our championship belt collection. That is the new collection that is coming soon. Just waiting for some gas fees to go down because the crypto market crashed and everybody's freaking out and everybody's trying to transact and move their, their, their funds around. And that's making all the gas fees go up insane. So I'm not going not gonna to put a bunch of championship belts up and pay the gas fees to put them on the market at a high rate just because everybody's going loopy right now. I'm going to wait for shit to die down. I'm going to wait for for the market to chill out a little bit. And then I'm going to drop those belts and they're going to be bling-blinging in your eyes and you're going to be fucking stoked. And even if you don't like NFTs or crypto, you're going to look at those and you're going to go, those are fucking dope. Just as a wrestling fan and as a belt mark. If you're a belt mark, you're going to love them. Uh, I think that covers all the plugs. I'm all out of plugs. I'm all out of talking your ear off here. Just thank you for sticking around. Go support me on other platforms. I'm trying to build this thing, trying to trying to grow, trying to trying to get in the game and just be here for you guys. And my one and only goal is to talk wrestling and, and just bring you the best podcast and interview content of the week. Everybody else talks about the wrestling that happens inside the ring. Everybody's going to review WrestleMania, Backlash, and all that shit. You come to this podcast, we're not going to talk about WrestleMania, Backlash. We're going to talk about CM Punk and Eric Bischoff's Twitter beef. And that's fun. And we're going to talk about Kane botching a fucking dentist question. Shit like that. Where else are you going to get this content, folks? Spread it around. Like it. Subscribe to it. That's all I ask from you. And with that said, I'm going to go, I'm going to finish my coffee, smoke some weed, and get to editing all this shit, and get the thumbnails and the videos, and this is the fun part, talking wrestling, this is the fun part of the show, the work begins after when I got to put it all together, but uh, I'm going to go do that, you're going to go do whatever the fuck you do, I don't know. 
Have a good day. Peace, love, and pizza. I am your host, Seth Grimes, and this has been the Pro Wrestling Podcast. Ready for it? Ready? Ready? Podcast! I like to do it really ridiculous like that. You've never heard me before. I just end it on the most ridiculous I can possibly end it. Maybe I should get more ridiculous with it. That was kind of was kind of weak, weak sauce. Juggalos. I fucking hate them. I say all this with a grain of salt because for a good part of my own life I proudly identified as a juggalo. You should come to the gathering with me. Nah, man. I'm, I'm not into all that whoop whoop shit anymore. I'll pay for your ticket. I got fired today. Get the fuck out! Still got room for me? Spike, slow the fuck down! Cops! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! The savages started closing in with their tiki torches and war paint. Shit! Run! You guys got a dead body here already? Even the aliens were throwing shade. It was pure panic and intense horror. There was a guy I saw got chopped in half. I had nothing left to go back to. You alive? <sighs> yep. The Gathering. A bold journey into the belly of the Juggalo underworld.